It's Ty Power's Big Footy final sale. To kick things off, you can get the power to buy three and get one free on selected Toyo passenger car and SUV tyres. Ty Power's Big Footy final sale can't last. Visit typower.com.au now. Uh, so the concussion sub, the injury sub now, it's what's making news today. And, of course, time on, it's your chance to have your say on the news of the day. We will bring you all the fallout and the way it was all explained, and then you can tell us what you thought of it. Time on, SEN. Uh, great to have your company, one three hundred seven three six seven three six. Big thanks to Bob and Andy. one three hundred seven three six seven three six is the number to call. Your say on the news of the day, zero four double three ninety eight eleven sixteen on the temper text. Temper is a mattress like no other. With you for the next hour and then for an hour of the sporting capital after that, Dean Solomon's gonna join us. A new addition to SEN and the AFL Nation team this year. And great to get his perspective on the events of today and his view on the season ahead. So looking forward to catching up with Dean Solomon at one three hundred seven three six seven three six. So let's work our way through it today. Obviously, time on your say on the news of the day. And the news of the day is absolutely the injury substitution that was announced today um, after what we thought was going to be an announcement coming Monday afternoon, evening. It, then we thought uh, Tuesday afternoon, evening, and then we were told no by Wednesday morning on the eve of the season that we would have a decision and Steve Hocking from the AFL fronted up and explained the new injury substitution. I wish to advise the AFL Commission has approved a recommendation to introduce a medical substitute for each team during matches played in 2021, Toyota AFL Premiership season. The medical substitute can be activated once a player is medically ruled out of a match by their team doctor. Operationally, the medical substitute will be named 60 minutes prior to the game commencing and will be selected from the team's emergency list. The medical sub can be activated at any stage of the game after a player has been deemed medically unfit to continue to participate in the match. Only the club doctor can make this decision and this can occur even after an interchange rotations have been exhausted. A player who is substituted out of the game with concussion will be sidelined for a minimum of 12 days as per current guidelines in place. When a doctor substitutes a player out of the game with an injury other than concussion, the doctor at the time would be deeming the injury to be one of a nature that would see a player sideline for a minimum of 12 days. The health and safety of each player in the game remains the priority and the introduction of a medical substitute ensures that player safety remains paramount in our game. Over recent years, we have continued to take action to strengthen match day protocols and amend the laws of the game to make the AFL the safest it can be. We will continue to listen and learn and where we can make our game safer at any stage of the season, we will. On behalf of the AFL, I thank all senior coaches, the AFL Doctors Association and the AFLPA for their input and consultation as part of this decision. Steve Hocking from the AFL explaining the new sub rule and he also gave, so that was the what and then he gave the why as well. Why have we done it? Uh, for the health and safety of the players. We clearly met with the coaches last Thursday. The coaches raised a concussion sub and off the back of that we've done further work. Our work, the data that we've actually used um, to guide our decision making around this uh, is that uh, there's 16 to 18 players that actually missed the following week through injury. 
uh, round by round in a, in a normal season. And, and so that's where we shifted from concussion into a medical substitute. So Steve Hocking faced a, a heap of questions on this. And uh, one of those was about the influences, the influence that the coach would have on the particular, on this particular issue. Well, the coaches felt that this was uh, a direction that we should take. And running the show now, are they? No, they're not. No, we've consulted wide on this and, and we're very comfortable with where we've landed on this. Very comfortable where they've landed on this, uh, but you can absolutely uh, see that this is the coaches getting a win and the players as well. I don't think they were particularly wrapped about some of the decisions that were made without what they would say their full consultation or without their concerns really being taken into consideration about getting back out to full-length quarters, uh, reducing the rotations. And their view was that if you do all those things and you absolutely increase the chance of players being injured and then... I reckon that there might have been a, a question raised about what does that do in terms of their own duty of care and the liability um, that they might be facing in around that space. That's just a hunch, but I'm just curious as to see whether that would have come into play. one three hundred seven three six seven three six. of course. Your say on the news of the day, time on. Uh, so what are the penalties uh, for teams who are found to be trying to exploit this or trying to uh, manage the system or however you want to put it, find loopholes to get around this. Uh, that was uh, addressed by Steve Hocking. Yes, we have. Yeah, absolutely. The safeguards are within the AFL rules. It's um, conduct unbecoming. Uh, we can actually uh, apply that at any point we need to. Uh, we'll monitor it early. We'll continue to monitor it right across the season as well because that's our role in doing uh, Potentially, there's a range of things, yeah. It's a little bit of a watch your space on that one, isn't there? Because whilst he didn't detail what the penalties would be, if you have a look at the conduct done becoming, it can be premiership points. Uh, it can be the loss of draft picks as well. But I would like to see that stated very, very clearly. Uh, I reckon... And I want to know what you think about this as well. Gil McLaughlin has already said that once they put in a rule in, they expect the coaches to try and find a way around it. They expect teams and coaches to try and find the loophole, to try and find the way to get under it, over it, around it, whichever way you look at it. So they're expecting this to happen. So now in expectation of that, what is the actual lot? Be very clear because last year it didn't seem to be a deterrent for COVID breaches, that there was going to be a $100,000 fine. That didn't seem to deter uh, players or clubs. So I wonder whether for the clubs themselves, whether it would be massive fines that would come out of their salary cap, which means that you equate that to someone actually losing their job. That, that if you breach this, someone at your club is going to lose their job because you'll have to pay a substantial fine. Or is it premiership points? Uh, or is it loss of draft picks? I think they have to make this penalty very clear and so drastic that you just wouldn't even contemplate trying to skirt your way around it. one three hundred seven three six seven three six. Steve Hocking was asked about the timing. Uh, look, Rob, it's, it's really about health and safety. If you have a look back at um, the, uh, the MRO guidelines last year, we, we, made, we made changes early in the season last year. I think you know, wherever we, we can through a season, um, you know, it's incumbent on us to actually make the changes required and it's come out of a discussion with the coaches, so we've, we've accepted it. And about that discussion, uh, Steve Hocking brought up some data that was uh, one of the reasons why they changed this from a concussion sub to an injury sub. Uh, for the health and safety of the players. We clearly met with the coaches last Thursday. The coaches raised a concussion sub. And off the back of that, we've done further work. Our work, the data that we've actually used um, to guide our decision-making around this, 
uh, is that uh, there's 16 to 18 players that actually missed the following week through injury, uh, round by round, in a, in a normal season. And, and so that's where we shifted from concussion into a medical substitute. So that's part of the thinking behind why it changed from a concussion substitute that was initially flagged by Alistair Clarkson. And that conversation grew and, and expanded into, well, why don't we look at an injury substitute? So the coaches who were probably feeling a, a little bit uh, unloved and not too happy about the way in which new rules were introduced this year that they didn't think should have been. And the players certainly weren't happy about the decrease in rotations and the increase in game, game time, uh, getting back to what it was before last year. So I think this is a little win that they get. I don't know if it's an olive branch. I don't know if it's a little platitude. Uh, I don't know if it's the peace offering. Um, I think it certainly has to do with how they've shown that there's going to be an increased likelihood of injuries. And what does that mean um, from their duty of care point of view? I think that would absolutely have come into play here. one 736 Heaps of calls coming through. Uh, just from a medical expert's opinion. Dwayne Russell spoke to Dr. Peter Bruckner uh, and his view on this and whether it should have been a concussion sub and stay there or whether it should have been an injury sub uh, as they have decided. I'm certainly a supporter of the concussion sub. I think that's, uh, you know, I think there's two issues here. You know, uh, do we have a concussion sub or do we have a, a full injury sub? As far as the concussion sub goes, I think anything that makes it easier to uh, to remove a player from, uh, from the ground uh, and protect the player and not disadvantage the team then I think that's uh, that's certainly worth doing. I think you know I think this is these are fairly simple sort of measures that are you know we have a duty of care um, both as, as doctors but also as a as a sport you know for uh, to our uh, to our participants and to our um, our core you know people who are our players and and I think you know uh, by making some fairly minor changes really you know people carry on as if you know the change game is going to change completely really it's you know they're fairly minimal changes. And if we can uh, make it easier to manage injuries, reduce the risk of injury, the re- reduce the risk of re-injury, then, you know, I think that's uh, probably pretty reasonable. Peter Brookner speaking to Dwayne Russell uh, on SEN early this afternoon. Uh, your say, one three hundred seven three six seven three six. 736 736 Mark's in Keelor. Mark, how did this grab you? Yeah, mate, uh, it's an interesting topic, really, isn't it? Um, from my perspective... I mean, what, if we're going to throw it all in the, uh, in the opinion of the doctor, what, what happens when uh, you've got an incident like Gary Ablett in last year's grand final? Mm. I would assume the doctor would say, out you go, Gaz, and, uh, and there's no way he's going he's gonna to miss. So what happens in that scenario? Yeah, it's a great question, Mark. And I, So I asked that question today. I actually spoke to a few people um, who have experience in this area uh, at the AFL level and and found and just ask how the, that process normally works anyway before this even came in. And what happens in these situations is they do a risk categorisation on the, the player. So what's the injury? And then what does that, what's the risk of it getting worse by them? Getting, so is it high, medium, low? If they go back on, do they run risk of doing further damage or an, an irreparable damage? So that's what they, yeah. they work through that. And is there any further risk to that injury being worsened? What's in the best interest of the player? And then they make the assessment as well on, okay, you might be at 80% now because of, let's say, it's a corky. Uh, if you go back out there, you will be at 80% of the speed that you can normally cover the ground. You won't do any further damage. So then, but, but you, so you're actually, we pass you fit to play, but it's whether or not then the coach wants someone who's at 80% speed and can only cover the ground at that. When it comes to the shoulders, so Jack Graham and, and Gary Abel are great examples of this over the last couple of years. They deemed in that moment uh, that 
Jack Graham wasn't going to do any further damage. It was already done. That shoulder was done. There was nothing more he could have done to it, no matter how many times he was going to get hit. So they let him go back out there. It was Gary Abbott's last game. So, yes, he's able to still play. He's able to still run. He can still cover the ground. He can still do this, that, and the other. Because they, they've also, too, the other thing we've got to be realised here is that doctors, there's a liability factor to all this. So they have a, a duty of care as well that they can't breach. So they, they can't do further harm to someone. So that's regardless of what the coaches want or the, or the, the line coach or whatever, it's very much about what's the long-term risk. So is there risk of there being further damage done? So it's a great question you ask, and it's already been factored in, and those are the things that get considered when they make those decisions. Mark, I hope that sort of half answers your question. Yeah, I guess it does. It, I mean, it's, uh, yeah, it's difficult, isn't it? Uh, it is. And, and again, <laughs> we're just going to have to really try and... Interesting. It is, Mark. It absolutely is. And, and I'll thank you for your call. Uh, Glenn's in Yarraville. Concussions, uh, injury sub. Glenn, how's it grabbing you? Uh, yeah, mate, I've just got, a, I guess, a question on that. I think sometimes we, we miss the point a little bit of this, that we already have the injury sub. It's called an interchange. But the, the whole point of having an interchange there, if someone can't handle the exhaustion of playing or gets injured, there are four people sitting on the bench that replaces them. So I don't actually understand why we have a, a further sub until those other four players can't replace a player that's on the field. I don't think that's how it's viewed anymore, um, Glenn. I know that's what it used to be. I mean, you know, I, I remember even playing probably early 2000s when Phil Carmen came to coach Elmore, and he was very much of the belief that I don't really need to use the bench unless we have someone injured. Nowadays, though, that's changed, that you come in with 22 and those 22 are going to play because we play a, a team defence, which means people are going to have to run really hard both ways. So we need to make sure that people can maintain that throughout the course of the game. So it's just not how it's viewed anymore. It's the 22 is actually the 22 that are going to play. It doesn't really matter where you start as the, and where isn't you finish. Con- isn't that contradicted by the fact they're trying to reduce the interchange bench to keep people on the ground so they actually get more exhausted and slow, you know, slow down the game or more to the point, speed up the game but so that you can speed up the ball movement? And there's the little query about all this, isn't there? And that's why I think this has come in. I think it's been pointed out that it's fine to do all that, but you're going you're gonna to increase the likelihood of there being serious injury to players if you are trying to fatigue them. What, what they've found over the preseason since they've come back from, from what I've been told is that they're actually, this year, will play 30 minutes more per game than they did last year. So that's what they've experienced through the preseason and the scratch matches, that they're going to play about 30%, uh, sorry, 30 minutes more a game at higher levels of fatigue. So not only are you playing more game time, you're going to be more knackered for longer doing it. And, and all the advice says that you're going to, you, you increase quite substantially the risk of injury. All right, I understand that. But I guess one more point on this, sorry, Sam, just to keep going, is that saying that you actually need a sub to protect the person with concussion says that the coaches and doctors are leaving those people with concussion more likely to be in the game than taking them out. If that's the case then the sub is not for the concussion. It's more for the other players that are actually on the ground. So how does it mean that this is actually protecting players with concussion more when the doctors should be doing the right thing and keeping them out of the game for that game in the following week anyway? Oh, I think they are doing that. But I think what they were sort of finding as well is that in the way that it might have been beforehand, players coming back early, so that's why they've brought in the 12-day thing, and also the way that they're able to get through the test that's being done. Um I had a look. I was watching Making Their Mark, and I don't know if you saw when Nick Vloston got knocked out in the grand final, Damien Hardwick just said, it might be a stupid question, but is that it now? 
And the, and they all just said, yeah, no, no, he, there's no chance he comes back on because he's been knocked out. And that was it. That was the end of the conversation uh, that we saw. So I, um, it's an inter- it's a, it's right to query then why is this? But I think Alistair Clarkson sort of explained that when he nominated this as an extra layer of protection. And also, too, players not wanting to feel like, and I think it was uh, Scott Pendlebury or Trent Cochin that said this, players not feeling like they're letting anybody down by not going back out. Right. So, again, it's not the, if the doctors are doing the right thing, it's not actually helping protect the concussion, the person that's got the concussion, because the doctor will do the right thing and say they're out and they're not going to play. What this role is for is actually to protect the rest of the players that are still on the ground so that they don't get further injured. Sorry, you just broke up on me a little bit there. I just missed you. I was just saying that yep. if the doctors and coaches are doing the right thing and this, uh, that person with a concussion isn't going to go back on the ground anyway, no matter what, this concussion sub isn't actually a concussion sub. It makes no difference to the concussion because they would have been off in the first place. This is actually to protect the rest of the players that are still remaining in the game and on the ground. Yeah, but, it, but what it does do is it does, it, it's also about not leaving you shortchanged out on the ground. So it's an extra layer of protection for the concussed player and then what they and then it's so you're not leave, leaving players and teams shortchanged so that if you get a concussion in the first quarter and you've only got three on the bench under what was the rule, you're gonna play an extra thirty no, minutes of game time and then you're gonna I run then you're gonna then, increase the risk but, of injury. But what we're saying here is that there's not a chance that the the doctor is less likely or more likely to put a person back on. If they've been called for concussion, they're off. So whether there is a sub or a no sub, that person with concussion is out of the game. So the only reason why we have a substitute is nothing to do with the person with concussion. It's to do with the remaining players and keeping them protected, which is fine, but I think we should just be calling that out. And I think think people have, Glenn, I think plenty of people have and said that when you wanted it, and I thank you for your call, and I don't mean to cut you off, I've just got a lot of other people waiting. I think we have called that out and said the moment that you decided to change it from a concussion sub, it really became about something a fair bit more than that. And they would say, the AFL are saying it's because they're looking at an overall welfare situation, not just concussion. Um, let's just hope that it doesn't push, come, push doesn't come to shove when uh, we're trying to figure out who should be substituted out and, uh, and who shouldn't. But I really do thank you for your call. And, and again, and I understand the scepticism. I really do. I understand why people are sceptics about all this. Um, it, it started out as a very noble um, movement. Um, anyway... Down. It makes sense. You know, we've made a lot of changes to the game throughout the summer and, and taken the game back to a place that is certainly going to really stress the players, you know, for shortened pre-season. So um, I think the, the sub will make sense. Um, you know, I think it should be implemented for any injured player, you know, and um, whether that's concussion, whether that's a hamstring, whether that's um, anything, I think that, that rule should be implemented. I think there's no doubt with the duration of the game, the way it's heading and also... Uh, the rotations, if you're down a man um, within a game, um, it's going to be at a, a disadvantage to your team's chances of winning. So I think um, implementing something like that would be be appropriate. Uh, that was Simon Goodwin's view on the concussion sub this week when he was asked, and that was implemented today. Steve Hocking made the announcement uh, this morning, and we're taking your calls on at one three hundred seven three six seven three six. Here's the number to get involved. Michael's been waiting patiently in Caroline Springs. G'day, Michael. How you going, mate? I rang yesterday about the manipulation of the sub rule. And um, just mm. a question, I've got to be quick because I'm, I'm late for footy training, but um, I was just going to put to you, do you think now that like a club like Collingwood, say, still side bottom, he's, um, 
is, you know, he's 50-50 for, for this Friday night. Would, would it give a club like like that, say, like, you know, let's have a free hit and see if he gets through, and if not, we've got we've got the, the, the other guy coming in with the sub? Like, that's something that I reckon might, might happen. What do you think? Uh, do I think that they would risk playing a player who was injured in the hope that he'd get through? Geez, I would hope not. From what I've been told, that doesn't happen anymore. Uh, from Again, I, I made some calls today, and, and I've been told that the last six or seven years, the landscape has really changed uh, in that space especially. And I think why the concussion sub, Alistair Clarkson, wanted to bring it back in, just having a read during the break, was to really remove any pressure from the doctor when making that call, to give them more time, to eradicate the pressure, to, to have to make the call quickly and to you know, to get it done and, and, and then know what's going to happen for the rest of the game. Um, I don't know if I've answered your question. I, I would really hope not because what I was told that there is a duty of care. So if they feel like it's going to do long-term damage to the player by rushing them back or keeping them on, then they just won't do it. So what about final? I don't know if I'm still kidding, but what about in a final, say a prelim, like you got side bottom, say, say it was a prelim, it's like, the quality of his player, the ilk of his player, like, do you just say, all right, look, if, if he if he gets through, it's a bonus. If not, we had a crack, and then the other guy's coming through. That's the, I, I think come finals, it might even be a different a different um, scenario again. Maybe, but I I and I want and I hope that that question gets put to the AFL about that situation because there if there if there are penalties in place for for playing players and doing harm to players. That are that are injured. I mean, you do. There are protocols in and around that, from what I understand. So hopefully that they are being policed. Um, so, do I think it could happen? Yeah, it could. Do I do I think it will? I hope not. <laughs> that's, what, that's what I'm hoping for. Mick, have a great training session, mate. We'll speak to you soon. See you, bye bye. One three hundred seven three six seven three six. Brent's in Airport West. Hello, Brent. Yeah, mate. Far away. G'day, mate. How are you going? I'm good, thanks. Uh, the concussion, or the, the injury sub, what do you think? Um, I'm probably probably uh, somewhat disappointed that they've diminished um, what should be a pure concussion sub. Um, and I say that because um, I'm actually one who's in um, Peter Jess's study into the, into the concussions as a, as a local footballer who's, who's um, clearly got some cognitive issues because of concussion these days. Um, it's not ultimately surprising that the AFL's diminished um, the concussion issue because for years they haven't taken it seriously. So ultimately, it doesn't surprise me. But um, the, the question I've got is that um, you know, three minutes into the game, a bloke goes down with a knee injury, he's out for the game. What happens five minutes into the last quarter when that same team has a bloke come off with concussion? Well... You, they don't. They're not allowed to put. Once they go through the concussion protocol and and everything is checked through, when they real when they come to the realization or when they come to the decision that the player is not fit to return, well then it's just that you you're two down on the bench. Yeah, or one down, I suppose, with your with your concussion. Sorry, back. one down. You're yeah, right. Yep. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I I I think um, it, it should be a pure con- concussion. It, it's 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 always been a game of attrition. Mm. Um, it will it will always be a game of attrition, and if a bloke does a hamstring, um, the coaches have had a massive win. They pulled the wool out of the AFL's eyes on this one because these are the same coaches who mandated that the sub the subs needed to go because that bloke wasn't getting a full game. 
Yeah, I, I don't think this is the same as the first sub rule. I, I see your point, Brent, but I, know, I think this is a different thing and we need to treat this as a different thing. That was three people on the bench and a sub. Uh, this will be four and then the fifth person is the sub. So they'll still get their full complement on the bench that they can work through. Um, what I think it was pointed out to the AFL very clearly by the coaches that if you're going to reduce rotations, if you're going to lengthen back out the games straight out to what they used to be before this year and play more games of them, so you're going from a 17-game season at reduced time to a full season uh, back to the full amount, it's a big transition. It's a big jump from one year to the next. That's their view on it, and it was the players' view on it, and it was the sports scientists' view on it. And if you're going to do that, then you are going to increase the risk of players being injured uh, and increase the risk of long-term injuries. They're already saying that they're going to be resting players. They're already saying that they're going to be flooding back. They're already saying that it's going to be a chip around. They're already looking at ways to slow things down, the coaches. So I don't think the, I don't think that was music to the AFL's news. So I think the coaches have absolutely got a win here when I think they felt like they were looked over in the decision-making process to reduce the rotations, to lengthen back out the quarters, and to do some of those things there. And then the man on the mark rule to try and pay, speed up the game. I think what they're saying is if you're going to play at a high speed with less rotations, far more minutes, we are going to have far more injuries. That's the advice. So I think that's why this decision uh, has been made. And that would appear from what Steve Hocking has said uh, as well. Uh, keep these calls coming through. one three hundred seven three six seven three six. Ross, Toby, Julian, Dave, stay right there, please. Uh, the teams are in for Thursday night and we'll come back and continue to take your calls. Um, Josh Caddy and Jake Arts are in. Eddie Betts has been declared fit for round one uh, despite failing to take part in either of Carlton's two pracky matches. Jack Martin won't play in the season opener dealing with that calf complaint. So Michael Gibbons and Lockie O'Brien will play. Harry Mackay, Levi Casbolt and Jack Nunes have also been included after passing fitness tests. Uh, So Caddy and Arts come in. Basher Hooley is sidelined due to a calf injury and Interestingly enough, we think that might have been the calf injury that he suffered in the grand final. And if you're watching uh, Making Their Mark, you'll see that Dimmer does say, I'll need you to tough it out. <laughs> he continues uh, back out there. Um, I think that's the same calf. I could be wrong, but I'm wondering if that is the same calf as it was uh, for the grand final. It'd be interesting to see if it was. Marlon Pickett has been left out of the team after he was trialled across half back during the season. So the, the full team's are here for round one, and I'll walk you through those line for line on the other side of this, but keep your calls coming through, one 736 736 At about 7.30 tonight on the Sporting Capital, Dean Solomon, a former Essendon Premiership player and new team member to SEN and AFL Nation, will be on to have a chat about uh, the opening round, the season, and today's injury sub news. Uh, your say on the news of the day. Welcome back to Time On. Sam Hargraves with you. one three hundred seven three six seven three six. Teams are in for tomorrow night. Uh, AFL footy is back. Richmond, Carlton, Tigers, Asprey, Grimes, Bolter, Baker, Vloston, Short, Prestia, Cochin, Lambert, Arts, Bolton, Castagna, Lynch, Martin, Rewalt. Followers, Nankervis, McIntosh, Caddy, Interchange, Rioli, Broad, Graham, Edwards. The four emergencies. One of these four will be the injury sub that we're talking about at the moment. Pickett, Will Martin, Ross and Marvio Chole for the Blues. Plowman, Jones, Williamson. Doherty, Wiedering, Saad. Setterfield, Cripps, Murphy. Fogarty, Mackay, Nunes. Uh, Fisher, Silvani, Gibbons and the followers. Pitnet, Dow and Walsh. Interchange, Petrovsky, Seaton, O'Brien, Casbolt, Kerno. Emergencies, Cottrell, 
Uh, Oscar McDonald, isn't that a great story? The, the former D. Uh, Liam Stocker has been made as an, uh, named as an emergency, and uh, Kennedy, Matty Kennedy, as well. So one of those guys will be the injury sub. One three hundred seven three six seven three six. Dave, you've been waiting patiently to talk about the Blues' best twenty-two. Uh, Ross and Toby and Julian will get to your uh, medical sub calls in just a moment. But Dave, far away. Yeah, g'day, boys. Um, uh, look, I'm uh, I'm a bit concerned about this concussion rule. I think it's the AFL just trying to protect themselves a little bit. Uh, what if you have uh, two teammates concussed? So make a new rule for that. And uh, you know, like where where you draw the line? Um, it's all about insurance, isn't it? Or the AFL protect themselves. And the other issue I've got with the experts in uh, your best 22, I look at Melbourne today. They've got uh, Ben Brown and Wiedemann, and yet uh, Zach Williams and, uh, and Charlie Curnow aren't in Carlton's best 22. Uh, uh, the experts. I think, know, I, here, I, think, I think why they wouldn't have had them in is because they're not available to be in. But Ben Brown and Ben Brown and Wiedemann. Sorry, who? Melbourne. Ben Brown and Wiedemann. I, I I didn't I haven't seen those teams that you're talking about. So I mainly just I can only just assume that the reason why they wouldn't have um, Kerno because he's probably not going to be available to halfway through the year and uh, and Zach suspended. At the moment, but I could be wrong. They could have just missed it. But I would just assume that if they don't have them in the, in who they've said is going to be in their best twenty-two, I'm assuming it's because they're not available for round one. I'm confused because uh, no, nah, they're definitely in. I look at Max King's in St Kilda's time. He's not available. I, I, and, yeah, uh, Dave. That, I, I don't know who I don't know who wrote it, Dave. So I can't answer. I, I can't answer why they wouldn't. Well, have, I mean, it's just their opinion, I guess. But uh, where do they draw the line with this concussion? Like, fair dinkum. The game's been going for 150 years. Uh, what if two headmates, uh, two teammates clash heads and there's two of them here? Uh, well, one of them gets subbed out and one of them doesn't. But none of them go back onto the ground, Dave. Um, that's what we know, and both of them would miss 12 days, uh, wouldn't be available for selection for 12 days under the new rules. Um, it would just mean that, one of them gets subbed out, but neither of them would take any further part. But what it does, and it's now an injury replacement, not just a concussion, but in your example, what it does is someone comes on so that instead of being two down on the bench, you are only one down on the bench. And given that we are, and this is the reasoning, that we're playing with less rotations, back to full minutes, more games than last year, they agree with the coach's assertion that, that there would be a, there's a much higher risk of more injuries. They're saying already last year that, and from the numbers that they've got, that 16 to 18 players a week missed the next week due to injury. So that would just be, and then if you increase that, given how we're going to do it, it's just too many people getting injured. We're already going to have teams resting big names, which is a fan, as a fan, that is the last thing you want to see. one three hundred seven three six seven three six. Dave, I really appreciate your call and your patience in, uh, in waiting on the line there. I uh, like this text. Has anyone thought about the poor kid that's going to be sitting on the bench the whole game and not actually getting on the ground if there's no injury? The effect that it might do to his mindset. I don't know what it would do to the mindset because I think you realise what the situation is going in, but it's probably a little bit of a flat day. If it's your debut, didn't we have about 140 players debut in the green vest? Something along those lines. I'll tell you what, if you were told that you were going to make your debut as the injury sub, 
And they are saying it is counted as a game now. I would think that you would wait to count it as a game until they actually got on the ground, wouldn't you? Um, I'm happy that they get paid as in, and they should get paid for their time, especially if you're going to be sitting there. Um, and they will be able to play at the second tier level. If you're, if you are their injury sub, you will be able to play at a second tier level to make sure that you get your K's up and your minutes up and you do keep match fit. But, it wouldn't be the, the most joyful of debuts. Matt, we're going to see a lot of the phone calls this year. We're calling like Matt Flynn. I'm calling home. Mum, Dad, I'm, I'm playing this week. Oh, that's so great. Where are you lining up? Well, that's the thing. I'm the injury sub. And it just it just flattens, doesn't it? It doesn't have the same excitement levels to it because you don't want to be sitting on the bench hoping that a teammate gets injured. And I'm sure none will be doing that. But uh, it would be a pretty flat debut, I reckon. I might ask Dean Solomon later when we speak to him how he'd feel being the sub in a, in a grand final and getting a medal, especially if you didn't get activated. But I, I'm glad that they're going to be paid. I wonder, I, I don't know, and, and tell me how you feel about this. one three hundred seven three six seven three six. do you feel like it should count as an, an official AFL game if the player doesn't actually step out onto the field? I'm, I'm on the fence about that. It doesn't quite sit right. one Ross is in uh, East Melbourne been waiting patiently. Hello, Ross. Yeah, g'day, Sam. How are you? I'm good, good thanks. To, uh, good to hear. It, it's actually, I remember the story you told about Phil Carmen when he was coaching you and he sat on the bench for three and a half quarters or something. <laughs> it probably sounds like, it sounds like uh, the, the the injury sub player might be doing something similar. But yeah, I am... Um, <laughs> I'm a bit like you. My my main thought was like, yeah, geez, imagine you're playing, making your debut, and you're the injury star. But it'd be like sort of, you know, back early 2000s, I guess maybe that might have happened. You know, you're waiting a couple of quarters to get on, or a quarter and a half, or something. Or, um, but yeah, I just find that that part's a bit strange. And also, this is something that just sounds like it's going to be rorted, especially come finals time. Like, and I just don't. Yeah, I just can't see how this is going to last very long. I mean, the sub rule, the sub rule itself might have had good intentions, uh, but I still think the main intention why they initially brought the original sub rule in was to stop, uh, stop, stop sides rotating other player on the ground because mm. Collingwood, I think, had revolutionised uh, rotations off the bench in the sort of the three or four years prior, mm. and won the grand final in 2010 and 2011. The uh, sub rule was brought in. Um, and obviously that changed that grand final that year when James Podsadley went off the ground and all of a sudden Geelong didn't have a man down. They still had the same amount of rotations, right? And and I think, you know, that, that there's, you know, there's a noble argument there. Um, but at the end of the day, how, how, how is this not something that will not be rorted? Like, I can just see someone who's, you know, imagine, you know, 20 minutes to go, you know, there's a bloke that's had four kicks all day, he somehow pings a calf and all of a sudden you've got someone with fresh legs on the ground in a preliminary final and, and you know, maybe that bloke goes on and kicks a couple of goals or maybe, mm. you know, so, 15 touches. Or it, it's just it's something that is going to be rorted by the coaches. The coaches basically will take an inch. Uh, if you give them an inch, they'll take a mile. Yeah, and this is basically what the AFL's done. So, Ross, in answer to your question, and, and Gil McLaughlin has said he expects the, co- the the teams to try and find a way around this and to try and challenge it and to try and see if they can uh, just get an advantage out of it because that's what they're paid to do. So he's fully aware that that's going to happen. So what you put in place then and under the way in which it's um, it's being adjudicated and the ruling that it's coming under, 
the penalties for breaching that uh, can be premiership points or draft picks taken away. And I reckon if they wanted to add a monster fine on top of that that came out of your, uh, came out of your soft cap, which means that essentially by breaching this, two people might lose their job. Um, I think that's the best way to, to go about it. That's the best way to deter it. And if they do try to sub someone out and then play them next week, oh, the miraculous recovery, the calf awareness or hamstring, monitor, <laughs> hamstring monitoring or, you know, whatever, we're gonna, whatever new words we're going to come up with, that has to be run past uh, Peter Harcourt. And you heard from Steve Hocking say that if you do sub someone out for something that's not concussion, you do so because you feel like the injury they've sustained would keep them out for at least two weeks. So if they do recover, and that can happen, that's fine, you, do, you need to go and present your case to, to the chief medical officer of the AFL who then has to mark this off. And if you're found to be trying to get around it, look out. That's how you, that's how you nip that in the bud. Quick smart. I, I think what would have been good to see is that if you do take someone out of the game, there's a standard one week that they would have to miss. I reckon that would be enough to stop people taking someone out who wasn't really injured if they were going to go down uh, that path. Uh, Ross, thank you for your call. Toby's in Adelaide. Toby, far away. Uh, Sam, uh, I'm curious about, um, okay, they're talking about looking after players' welfare. So mm. uh, let's let's talk about finals and you let's just uh, make an assumption that one of the best players and one of the best teams has got an injury uh, doubt coming into the game with a player. Um, and you go, well, let's let's roll the ball and just give it a go because if he drops over, if that injury is serious, he drops over in the first quarter, we've got to back up, up our sleeve anyway. So you actually plan for um, playing injured players going into the game, and that's not really a duty of care then, is it? What are your thoughts? Yeah, it was a similar. We, we had a similar question to that uh, previously, and but I think there are rules of governance around playing people that are injured, and I think this would come under the attempted exploitation of this rule. That if you go out of your way to play a player that you know is injured and can't play at the full game, well then you, you would be. And I'm not a lawyer, but I would. My assumption would be that you would be breaching that duty of care. And from what I understand and what I was told today is that that just doesn't happen anymore. That the, the doctors here really do make that they don't they don't make the they don't make their decisions anymore about what's best for the team. They make them on what's best for the player, and that the player's welfare in their decisions is first and foremost and paramount. Well, I will be interested to see uh, come finals time, and you only get one shot at winning the grand final. Whether all the rules go out the window when you've got a coach's bum on the line, but that's just my thoughts. Uh, and Toby, I think we'll all be, I think this will be red hot early. I think people will be looking for the first sign of it. I think you're 100% right. And come finals, I think the radars will be up all over the joint. Good luck if you're going to try and work your way through it and try to beat the system. Um, yeah, I, I think everybody will have a very keen eye towards anything that they deem to be um, outside the spirit of this or outside the, the rules of this. And I, and I also think people will be looking for it too, to try and see who's the first, who's going to be the first person in trouble for it. So I think it'll be really heavily scrutinised by all and sundry. Hey, thanks for your call, mate. Uh, 1-300-736-736. Still got time to have a little chat to you as we wrap things up. I'll go through those teams again. There's a couple of other debutants that have been named. There's a heap of text here too. Um, sorry, we've just been flat out with the calls that have been coming in. I'll get through a few of the texts as well. And the temper text, 0433 98 11 16. Temper is a mattress like no other. Time on SEN.
Uh, thank you for all those calls. Uh, and sorry we didn't get through as many texts as we would have liked. Uh, but don't worry, keep them coming through. I'm with you for another hour. Sporting Capital is up next. And Footy Tinder is back for another year. Aaron Fetter, who's going to be looking uh, after this show uh, for the duration of the year, will come in and present us some statements. You'll swipe either way, uh, whether you like or dislike. And uh, we've got some prizes to give away as well. SEN Tire Power Tipping is back. Play SEN Tire Power Tipping and join for your chance to win weekly prizes, including the major prize of $5,000. Sign up now at tipping.sen.com.au. Uh, off the text, uh, Pendle said in an interview yesterday that by... Uh, capping the interchange and creating exhaustion in the players, that will lead to increased injuries and then the need for an injury sub. They've basically made a rule for a no real reason and they needed another rule to remedy that rule when they could have just uncapped the interchange. It's just so absurd. The sub was one of the worst, most amateurish changes in the modern era of the game and now we're drifting back towards it. I think it is a little bit different to the first sub rule, but I, I do like that text. Uh, so if someone breaks their leg and comes off in the first quarter and someone else gets concussed in the third, does the broken leg guy have to go back on? No, Scott from Williamstown, he doesn't have to go back on. It just means that instead of being two down on the bench, you're one down uh, on the bench. Keep calling, uh, keep texting those through 0433981116 and the temper text. Temper is a mattress like no other. Dean Solomon's going to join me at 7.30, but before that, we will do footy tinder uh, and I'll update you on the Carlton and Richmond teams that have just come through. Sporting Capital up next. Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au, predict Australia's score with a crystal ball, and it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semi finals, all thanks to McDonald's. Mackers, together and loving it. TNCs apply.